Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Joined by the second part of this show, we've been kind of hitting at it, and it's been in the works for the last couple of weeks. But Joey Ikes on the show as the part two co-host of the uh, Talking the Draft podcast. Excited to have him on. Um, we're going to be coming here every week, like we have been. But instead of just me by myself or me with the draft prospect, Joey will be on the show too. Joey, man, what's up? Excited to get this journey started. Absolutely, man. It's been a little while since I've done the draft thing, you know, in terms of like actually, you know, officially covering it and stuff like that. But, you know, we're always around. We always have takes. It'll be good to have uh, to have this venue to be able to uh, to get those out and be able to uh, talk it out with you every week as we work towards the end of April and early May. Yeah, I went away from it, too, for a little bit. And then I was like, man, that's just, that's my calling. Like, yeah, I love the NFL, but man, it's just something about this time of year that gets me most excited to dive into tape and write about it, talk about it. So I always come crawling back to it. <laughs> yep. There, there's something about the the unknown and the possibilities yep. that exist and all that kind of stuff that that makes it maybe the maybe the most fun part of the year for for people like us is this Absolutely. period between the Super Bowl and the draft and with free agency that falls in there. The the whole team building part of it's really interesting. No doubt. And and people who listen to Talking the Star, which is what I do during the you know season with the Cowboys like we have people who listen to this throughout the years who aren't Cowboys fans and there's some Cowboys fans might get frustrated because we're not spending a hundred percent of our time on Dallas we are going to give it the Dallas sprinkle of flavor trust me but we do want to talk about this draft as a whole and again we don't you know some of these guys we don't maybe envision that the Cowboys will be drafting or maybe they'll focus more on drafting we're going to talk about some of those guys they won't maybe not be as interested in some of the guys that we feel like they will heavily be interested in but um just want to throw that out there if you're a Cowboys fan wondering why we're talking about, you know, some of these quarterbacks here in a couple of weeks or, you know, safety. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll just wanted to preface it by saying it might not always be Cowboys 100% of the time. That's because we hope that uh, anybody, you know, who's a fan of anybody can come on and listen to this. So Absolutely. Uh, but we're going to talk about receivers today, and I know that's a position that is very much of interest to Cowboys fans of the Cowboys. And uh, last week I interviewed Zay Flowers. That was our first interview. We're going to have plenty of those coming up um, that we'll be doing on the show. But Zay Flowers was the first interview. um, And he's a guy who's kind of viewed as, you know, a possible selection there at 26. Um, 
but we have a few more coming up in the next couple of weeks that I'm really excited about as well. But we want to talk about this receiver class because it's such an interesting one. While it kind of was labeled as not a great receiver class coming into this draft process, the more you watch, I feel like the more guys you kind of like, the more guys you you go, dang, you know, I, I might not love this guy like I did the Jamar Chases or, or that of the world, but it's a good class in my opinion. It's it's not the deepest. Like I feel like it runs out of talent kind of right there, that top 100 range. But there's guys in this class that I feel like can can come in and help this Dallas team, especially with how weak it is at receiver of today. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things about the draft classes the last few years is it just feels like it's been flooded with wide receiver talent. Every year it feels like there's guys that, you know, are outside the top 100 or top 150 that you're sitting there going, man, I'd take this guy and he could start right away. Like I could put him on the field right now and he could play and he could contribute right away. And no, he's not going to catch 80 balls for a thousand yards, but he could come in, he could catch 35 or 40 balls. He could put up 600 yards and three touchdowns and be a really solid, you know, number two and a half, three wide receiver for my football team in the NFL right now. And I don't know that this class necessarily has that, at least not that I've seen yet. But there is this bundle, and they also it, there's also not a Jamar Chase or a Justin right. Jefferson or a CeeDee Lamb necessarily in this class. That <clears throat> So it doesn't have the elite high-end guy, and it doesn't have the, the real depth of talent, at least, that I've seen yet. But there does feel like there's this really cool sweet spot right around from, you know, right before the Cowboys pick in the first round to probably a little bit after the Cowboys pick in the second round, yep. where there's this sweet spot of several guys, and we're going to talk about several of them today, that you'd be really happy if your team took any one of these guys in that range, and you're going to feel really good about what they're going to be able to do from day one when they walk in, but then what the upside might be as they go out throughout the course of their career. And it all really depends on, you know, fit and flavor and what you want to ask these guys to do in terms of where you're going to value each one of these guys in your rankings. Yeah, and that that point that you just Gabe is an excellent one. It's just so many, you know, like the conversation in Cowboys land right now is, well, CDs does a lot of his great work out of the slot. So you don't really, you know, you're not going to go spend a first round pick on a slot receiver. Um, and that's kind of like, I guess the knock on Jackson Smith, the Jigba is that he's, he's kind of what we're talking about CD Lamb is as far as like, he does most of his work out of the slot. Um, I think I saw the stat yesterday that 80% of his production uh it was either last year or throughout his career came out of the slot so that makes it difficult to envision him being the guy for Dallas you know if he falls to him at 26 because of do you want a guy who primarily plays in the slot to come in and then well again CD can play outside I think Smith Najigba can play outside do you really want them having to compete at what their best position is. And I feel like both of those guys do so well in the slot. That might be tough. So that's when you, that different flavor that you were talking about, like that's when you turn to like, okay, Jordan Addison's more of kind of your ex prototype, but he does some work out of the slot too. And he's not the, he doesn't really fit those size requirements that we've seen these Dallas uh, receivers get drafted at so much. And then your Zay Flowers, I mean, he's 5'10", 170 pounds. You know, he's kind of labeled as a slot, but the more you watch him on tape, you see him play outside, you see him have success outside. And like, it's just, it's interesting because I'm not as high on Quentin Johnson as a lot of other people. So I wanted to start there. Um, those are kind of the top four guys for most people. 
uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson, whatever order people have them in. But who do you like the most out of that top four grouping that could be right there at the 26 overall pick? Yeah, I think it's one of those where it goes back to what you want to ask them to do. Because you made a great point with uh, Smith and Jigba about and the numbers that you that you mentioned. So much of his production coming from the slide, it matches what's on the tape in that he just works incredibly well underneath. He finds space, gets open, you know, run after the catch is unbelievable. But then you also see him, and this is one of the big things, and we'll talk about Jalen Hyatt a little bit later too, is that so many of these guys in the NFL or in college football this at this point work out of it, work out of this, like I almost call them super spread offenses. Like we it started with the Bryles, right? Where they just right. really spread guys way out in big massive wide receiver splits. And so you wind up with these guys who play in the slot, but become really the primary vertical threats for their teams. Because right. if you're, because the way the college field lines up, you know, if you're on the right hash, the number one or the far outside wide receiver on the left side of the field, he's almost not even part of the play. Like he's right. not part of the progression. He's not part of the read. He's there to run a clear out for somebody else or to run a, you know, a little a hitch now sort of route to be there as, you know, sort of a, a, an escape valve for the quarterback. So what winds up happening is these guys line up in the slot, but they're as far from the formation, right. uh, from the core of the formation as they would be playing on the boundary in the NFL. And so, yes, it creates some space, but usually the guy you want to get the ball to in college football is playing that slot position. And a lot of times it's to the field because it creates a lot of space and it gives you the opportunity to get the ball to him. So you see, you know, you see Smith and Jigba play down the field, even though he's playing from the slot. And so you wonder if, and part of the, you know, the Dallas conversation comes down to how much does the offense really change now that they've changed play callers and Mike McCarthy's taken over how, how much of that, you know, what really is going to be the impact of that on what kind of receiver they're looking for? <clears throat> and, and do they feel like one of these guys like Smith and Jigba who plays in the slot run after catch is a huge part of his game, but still shows he can win down the field. Um, is that somebody that they feel like, Hey, we can put that guy at when, when CDs play in the slot, we can put in Jigba at the Z and he can play fine there or we can flip flop those guys and it really creates some opportunities. They talk all the time about, they want their guys to be able to play all three spots. Right. But if, if Michael Gallup is there and because of the contract and everything, he's going to be there. He's pretty much, he's their relatively quote unquote prototypical X that they have right. on the team now. And so is there more valuable in basically creating one position that CD and this other wide receiver share that's sort of the slot Z combination where they flip flop back and forth. Um, and it's sort of what they did with Amari Cooper over the, the last couple of years before that, where those guys were almost interchangeable. Um, I think there's some value in that. And Smith and Jigba is at least if he's healthy is clearly proven that he can put up, you know, really high level production with, with good quarterback play, like he'll get in Dallas and, um, and, the complimentary weapon that he'll have with CD and then whatever else they do with the rest of the pass. It's so funny. Cause when you watch, when I watch JSN, the, the, the first thing I always go back to is a couple years ago. And again, I'm not comparing the players because I do want to, I do want to say this though. The, the person I'm comparing him to was not viewed as this person coming out of college, but guy 
labeled as a slot only guy, similar size, played at a big program. Justin Jefferson, right? Like, right. you know, viewed as like the, you know, 20, 20 could go for anywhere from 20 to 32, you know, and that it's hard to get that. And again, you're scouting the player, not the helmet or not the lookalike that he kind of is, but that, I mean, that was like Justin Jefferson's thing. He wasn't this explosive athlete. Like it was the question about the speed, the athleticism. He was a great route runner, but he did it so much out of the slot. And can that translate? It's hard for me to get that out of my mind because I see a lot of the same similarities in Jackson Smith, the Jigba that I saw in Justin Jefferson at LSU. And then you mentioned a lot of that stuff of, you know, him being able to maybe slide out and play the Z. He's not an undersized guy. So you feel confident and his route running shows that you feel confident that he can do that stuff at different spots is that's, that's that. So to kind of get to my point is like, that's, I have him as my wide receiver one right now. And I know a lot of people are looking for that guy who runs in the four, three, who makes all the crazy spectacular circus catches. And while he's not that, I think he's the most NFL ready receiver in this class. I think he's going to come in right away. He's going to be able to create separation he catches almost everything you throw to him. He's good after the catch. He might not have that elite trait that you look for in guys coming out of school nowadays, but he's got so many positive traits or so many above average traits that it's just hard to bet against him as being the wide receiver one, in my opinion. Um, how crazy does that sound comparing him to the best receiver in the NFL? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's a it's it's a high praise for sure, but I think if you take it in the context of what you're trying to do, right, is say right. that that there's a world where Jackson Smith and Jigba becomes one of the most dynamic players in the NFL because of exactly what you're talking about, because of the run after catch, because of the ability to work over the middle of the field, which from a Dallas perspective, Dallas is, we've had the conversation about CD in the slot and do they have anybody that can win outside the numbers and all that right. kind of stuff. Uh, but for the NFL as a whole, so much of the game at this point is played between the numbers yep. and really even between the hashes, which is really narrow in the NFL. But so much of the game is played right there with the way the teams are playing split safeties and how you attack that and all that kind of stuff. That this guy specifically, in terms of the situation in college with the really high level offense, the really high level play caller, the the surrounding weapon, you know, there's the Jamar Chase and Marvin Harrison Jr. component Oops. of those guys play, you know, and the guys, and even the year before, Chris Olave was there before Marvin Harrison right. was quite as much of a factor um, when Smith and Jingle was playing and more healthy. So it's definitely easy to see the, right. the, the translation of the possibility that he turns into one of those guys. Um, but then you also have a pretty high floor of if he's just a super productive guy out of the slot, like right, right. that's a pretty, that's a pretty good weapon for most offenses. And if you have a really good quarterback, we've seen offenses basically live with those high, with a high level quarterback and really good slot and inside weapons. I mean, as far back as, you know, Tom Brady doing it with his guys and Matt Stafford doing it with Cooper cup last year and the way Justin Jefferson plays and the Cowboys this year with CD lamb as the primary guy out of the slot you can build a passing offense around a guy in the slot. Um, and then if you get a couple of those guys and you get somebody who can win outside the numbers, that's when you wind up with, you know, Cincinnati with that, that group that they have um, and, and Kansas city, even to a certain extent with Travis Kelsey sort of serving as that, that primary guy that the offense. No doubt. So, you know, he, he's, he's kind of like, 
And it's tough because we talk about having the speed out, you know, to being able to kind of take that top off the defense. And I'm curious to see what Addison runs. And I'm curious to see what Johnston runs. Um, I think Flowers is probably a 4-4 guy. I mean, he's he's twitched up, but I'm not sure, like, he's going to run the 40, you know, at this absurd speed. Um, yeah. He kind of mentioned that in an interview with him. I had with him last week. I kind of asked him about it, and he didn't. They never want to give you an answer this early, right. but he said, I'm just going to run as fast as I can. But I asked him, I said, you know, hey, you know, there's some sites that got you at like a 4.37. And he was like, that's probably close. So I think he'll probably run low 4.4s, um, yeah. high 4.3s. But a guy like Addison's kind of projected to run maybe 4.3s, 4.4. Johnston's been projected to run in the low 4.4s at 6.4212. Outside of JSN, where where do you kind of see the guy next that you really just have the most faith in and have the most confidence in? The guy that really, even more than JSN, has my attention a little bit is uh, is Quentin Johnson for really? obvious reasons. You, ju- you just mentioned it. I mean, we've talked about, we just talked about Dallas needs to find somebody who can win outside the numbers. They basically, they lost to San Francisco in the playoffs primarily because they had nobody who could win outside the numbers or down the field. And so from a Dallas perspective, a 6'4", 215-pound, like, prototype, stick him at the X receiver and let him just work over cornerbacks um, – sounds who's going to run you know in the low four fours probably and can break tackles can work down the field can make the contested catch can do all that stuff um, you see him catch a screen pass almost <laughs> never gets ta- gets ca- yep. gets tackled by the first guy first guy always misses and then he's going to pick up yards after the catch and then two or three plays later you see him go down the field just dunk on a dude in the end zone for a touchdown like that's really intriguing to me as a pure like from a cowboys perspective of what really takes this offense to the next level is if I have CD lamb working inside, and then I have a guy like Quentin Johnson who works on the outside and, you know, lives outside the numbers and just beats up on cornerbacks down the field. And I can still make the easy button throw to him. I can still throw him the slant and he'll make the catch through contact. I can throw him the quick screen and he'll make the first guy miss. Um, to have all of that in one guy who happens to be 6'4", 215, and is going to, like you like said, run in the low 4'4s, four that's really intriguing. And uh, that's just an element that the Cowboys right. have, have been – they've lived in this. Everybody is 6' to 6' foot 2'. <laughs> everybody is, you know, 185 to 205 pounds, and everybody runs 4'5", five, 5". That's been their entire offense at the pass-catching positions for – you know, for who knows how many years at this point. It's and sad just, that we're not even asking them to get bigger. We're like, get smaller. Like, just do something. Yeah, it's like, yeah, do like just diversify a little bit because right. what, why, and really the main thing is get somebody that runs faster than four or five, right? right? Like, if you get, if just because the thing that continually shows up for this team is when teams just essentially put an umbrella on the thing and say, you are not, we don't think you can beat us downstairs. So we're just going to put this top on the defense and we're right. just going to compress that top down throughout the game. We've seen that's really the one thing that can significantly slow down this Cowboys offense with Dak Prescott at the helm. And so we got to get him some help in that area and a guy that can stretch the field horizontally and stretch the field vertically. And Quentin Johnson is a guy who it feels like can be that guy and there's another guy a, a little bit later we'll talk about too from uh, from uh, an orange school that, that <laughs> I think could help with that capacity also. Yeah, no, no doubt. And 
it's crazy for me. So like, I like Quentin Johnson. I do. I, I don't want to say I don't. It's just, it's, it's weird because for him, it's like, he's got kind of what we mentioned with Jackson Smith, the Jigba, like he is the big play in a bottle. Like you feel like you can get six big plays out of him a game, which is, a, I mean, that's a ton. It doesn't might yeah. sound, but, but then you kind of worry about everything, not else, but the underneath stuff, the route running, the, the ability to beat press like that, that those are some of his questions I think he's got coming out and is an offense like we've seen this offense years ago where they kind of lived and died on the explosive plays when they were throwing the ball down the field to Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CD Lamb. And that kind of went away this year, mainly because they didn't have that guy to do it. So I would like, like talking into, I guess, talking out two different sides of my mouth here is like for the Cowboys, I think Quentin said, I like Quentin Johnston's value more for Dallas than I would if I was just evaluating the group as a whole because of what he offers to Dallas. Um, but you know, if I'm like just looking at the receivers as a whole is doing this, you know, doing it as an NFL draft evaluator, like some of that stuff that Smith, the Jigber brings and Addison brings, I might go, yeah, they can kind of do the whole package a little bit better than, than him. But for Dallas, that's, that's what they're missing. They're missing a, either a big dude that can win down the field or a fast dude that can win down the field. And he's expected to be both. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And it's, the word that Nate Tice uses to talk about the Cowboys offense is just like brutally efficient, right? right. Like just like six or seven yards a pop right, right. over and over and over and over again. And they just beat you over the head with it, which is ironic for a team that has the reputation of being like super penalty prone and all that kind <laughs> right. of stuff for a team to be able to live that way as consistently as they do just speaks to some of the guys they have on their team. Uh, but you almost it's so hard to live like that in the NFL. Right. Man. It's so hard. You have to get explosive plays and you have to get explosive plays without your quarterback having to fit the ball through a freaking keyhole to be able to get the ball to the right spot. Right. And and a guy who can win vertically, a guy who can win over the top, both, you know, jumping over guys and running past guys is a uh, a component that if you can add that to this defense and and like I said, just stretch the field horizontally and vertically uh, would be a big deal for this, for this Cowboys offense, for sure. Yep, no doubt. And I mean, definitely Johnson's the one guy between that group before that we kind of talked about that is your prototypical X guy. You know, Addison plays a lot in the slot. Smith the Jigbo plays a ton in the slot. Flowers, while he didn't play primarily in the slot as uh, is a lot of people think he did at Boston College, I think you kind of envision maybe him doing that more in the NFL. Um but a guy I know you're excited to talk about that that we kind of had you put some eyes on last night was Jalen Hyde out of Tennessee. Um, he's fun. I mean, that's kind of the best way to describe yeah. him. He's, <laughs> he's a not as big version, probably a lot faster version of Quentin Johnston. And yep. again, like there's there's a lot of things about his game he's gonna need to develop and improve on. But man, you you talk about a lot of these guys coming out and just having the traits that you want to bet on. He's got a lot of those. He's a he's a ball winner and he can run fast and he's a big play guy. So those are those are things that people I mean, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State got drafted solely based on that. He's not even good as his ball skills are nowhere near as good as Jalen Hyatt's, in my opinion, coming out. So it's kind of get the value of what you're talking about. And you keep seeing Hyatt mentioned, you know, in the second round. I'd put a decent amount of money that after he runs, he's got a much better chance of going closer to 26 than 50, whatever, 58 or whatever they pick. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) And it's, it's one of those where like, Hyatt's that guy who at Tennessee plays 
a bunch in the slot. And it's he's kind of interesting where when the when he plays to the field side, like I talked about earlier, he's playing in the slot. When he plays to the boundary side, he plays to the boundary. He plays outside. And so, and in those, you know, Josh Heupel comes from the Mike Leach, you know, played for Mike Leach at Oklahoma. Those guys typically don't move wide receivers around all that much. And so for, for Hyatt to play, you know, multiple positions within their offense um, says a lot about him as a football player in terms of what he's capable of handling. Um, and it also says a lot about how much they wanted to get him the football. And when you watch him play, it's real easy to see why, because you you called Quentin Johnson a big play in a bottle, right? That's what Jalen Hyatt is, is right. that like he's going to play, you know, even playing from the slot, he's going to win down the sideline and he's going to beat a guy down the field and he's going to go run past him and catch a touchdown. And he's going to make the contested catch and he's going to make all those plays. And it's just, you know, there's this certain element of we've talked about it a lot that's been missing with the Cowboys offense. And some of that is just like the fun big play that you just look at and go, holy crap, like how did that guy do that? And there just hasn't been all that much of that for the right. Cowboys the last few years. And yes, that sort of superficial sort of fan speak to say like, man, this offense isn't that fun to watch. Right, right. But there's the there's also the component of if it's not fun to watch, it likely means there's not a whole lot of explosion. There's not a whole lot of big play. There's not a whole lot of like get you up out of your seat that um, that these offenses at this point need in the NFL to be successful. Because unless you're going to play like the Philadelphia Eagles, where fourth down is just third down, basically, like yep. if it's if it's fourth and three or less, you're going to go for it every time and you know you'll convert it because you've got the quarterback that can run and all that kind of stuff you got to be able to get first downs on first and second down and just keep moving the chains quickly. And that's really tough to do consistently. you got to get big plays. And Jalen Hyatt really brings that from a, from a, a, he's not a small receiver at all in terms of height and stature and all that kind of stuff. He's, he's sort of slender, but a lot of these guys are right. Um, but he's that speed is just something that it's so hard to coach and it's so hard to teach and it's so hard to defend that if you can add that to your team, you almost, you almost got to bump that guy up in value quite a bit just based on the fact that there's only so many guys that can run that way. And it legitimately changes the structure of defenses against you whenever you lose it. Like there's, there's all these numbers out there about the Kansas city chiefs, right? And they just won the super bowl. So clearly they did something right. But when they traded Tyreek Hill teams almost never played man coverage against the chiefs before 2022 because they were terrified that Tyreek Hill was just going to destroy them down the field. If they played man coverage. They traded Tyreek Hill and replaced him with, you know, uh, MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster and those guys like that. And now all of a sudden they're seeing like some of the most man coverage in the league because teams aren't scared of the speed on their offense anymore. Now they still had the best offense in the league and their team won the Super Bowl because Pat Mahomes is a, is a superhuman, right? But it, even with Pat Mahomes, it changed the way teams played right. them because of the speed element being there versus being not there. You add that to the Cowboys, and now you just get a bunch of teams that play man coverage, and they can't double CD quite as much because they're so worried about the speed over the top that they have to tilt coverage a little bit more to that other guy because if they don't, they're going to get hit. Instead of for the 15- or 20-yard play with CD, they're going to get hit for the 60-yard play by Hyatt or Johnson or whoever. And that just seems like – such a really important dynamic that this team needs really, really badly. And as anybody listening to this can tell, we keep going back to speed. 
ball winners, guys that are going to make the explosive play. And there's a couple more guys. I mean, you know, there's no – that's the good thing about all of these guys in that first-round range, I think. Like Flowers is another guy who made a living making plays down the field from the slot and outside. Um, but a guy that I just – again, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been getting as much national attention – is Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. I mean, he's a guy who's, he's not, you know, he's not a big guy. He's not a small guy. They got him at 5'11", 185. Um, he's projected to run in the high four twos. Um, but he's a lot of the same thing that you see with, he can do more of the short to intermediate stuff, but he wins down the field and it shows. I mean, his speed is dangerous. And Again, like 5'11", 185, town, uh, 185 pounds. He's projected to run the 4.29 is what uh, NFL Draft Buzz has him at. Um, he's 21 years old, I want to say, so not an older prospect. Um, I don't know. Just for me, I, I'm kind of surprised he's not getting more buzz with his size, you know, not being a 5'9", you know, like the Flowers type of guy or Josh Downs who's 5'10". You know, you know, he's 5'11", pushing six foot. He's 185 pounds. He's got blazing speed. He's good after the catch. He's he's not the most natural hands catcher. I guess that's my one biggest knock on him right now. But, man, if you're looking for a guy who can kind of play in the slot, move outside, do some things down the field, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, if your heights and stuff are gone at 56, I, I'd really consider looking at him there. I mean, I, I have – I'm higher on him than a lot of people right now just – I don't know if I'm I'm liking him a lot more than a lot more. I know I know Dane's got him pretty high. I checked his um, rankings yesterday, which made me feel a little bit better because I was like, God, I got this guy like seventy spots higher than most people. But Dane's got him at forty seven, um, one of his top one hundred. Um, so that makes me feel a little bit better. But uh, I'm a big Tyler Scott fan. I think he could he could be a player um, if he gets in the right system and he's able to kind of unleash his skill set. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Dane, and that's where I was going was that, you know, Dane's a big fan and he makes a comp that I love. And this is partially because this is one of my favorite, I'm going to age myself a little bit here, <laughs> one of my favorite draft players to come out in a long time. And that's Tyler Lockett, right? And he, again, uh, not a big receiver, but not diminutive either. Mm -hmm. uh, plays outside more than you would think a guy right. under six foot would play. Um, wins down the field in a big way and has since very early in his career and did at Kansas State. Um, and he makes that comp, and I love that. I, I struggled a little bit with Tyler at first because of all those things we talk about. Like, right. you know, he's not a big receiver, but he's also not like a pure slot. Like, he's right. not Jackson Smith and Jigba, or, but he's also not Quentin Johnson, and he sort of sits in this in-between range. But then I read Dane's uh, – comp to Tyler Lockett and it, it really clicked for me in terms of what the what the idea for him would be and that's what right. these player comps really are in terms of at least whenever I make them is what kind of role can this guy play right. in the league and there's a, the interesting nugget about Tyler Lockett specifically is the Cowboys happen to have an offensive coordinator who was the offensive coordinator in Seattle for four years yeah. an offensive line coach who was the offensive line coach in Seattle for a few years uh, so we'll see as they fill out the rest of their staff, but there's clearly some uh, there's some guys in this the Cowboys in the star who have shared history with Tyler Lockett. If they look at Tyler Strong as well or Tyler Scott as well and see that same dynamic that 
Dane mentioned and that really clicked for me, they'll probably have some pretty high interest in him and really feel like they can get value out of him in some specific ways. You know, the way the way Seattle uses Tyler Lockett on the big, deep over routes and the right. really big, huge post routes down the field and all that kind of stuff um, is, you know, it's really easy to see that and picture that in your mind when you think about Tyler Scott at the next level playing in a, a heavy play action type offense that this Cowboys offense, you know, hopefully will will be able to be um, as they move forward, especially, you know, because Dak's unbelievable off play action and he's unbelievable attacking down the field um, off of those as well. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the um, Brian Schottenheimer thing, you know, with Tyler Lockett, because I really haven't even thought about that. And obviously you see, you know, Dane's got him compared to Tyler Lockett. I think the Draft Network has him compared to Tyler Lockett too. So that kind of seems like a very – but but again, like that kinda, that's where I'm confused because I'm like, okay, Tyler Lockett's a really damn good receiver. Right. And if like that's his comp for most people who do this – I still don't understand why he's like the 114th ranked prospect by so many, yeah. but, but. Well, and, uh, and part of that is that it's early and some of these guys, right. especially at places like Cincinnati, right? Like it, you know, they were incredible a couple of years ago and played on some really big stages, but you know, this year sort of came back to earth a little bit. And so they're not getting the same sort right. of you know national exposure that some of these places are. And no, I'm not, to, I'm not here to, to try to say that, you know, these guys who do the draft year round, aren't you know aren't going beyond what gets national right. exposure sure. but there's a there's the component of all this that like just like we want people to listen to our show people want them you know writers want people to read their rankings and want people to you know to read their mock drafts and all that kind of stuff and so a lot of times those guys from those big blue blood programs get pushed up a little bit early in the process and then as we as it right. sort of shakes out over the next couple of months we'll see these guys settle. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler settled, you know, somewhere in the late sixties to seventies on a lot of people's boards with, you know, Dane keeping him up there in the mid forties. And then he winds up getting picked late in the second round and he winds up being really productive pretty early in his NFL career. So one name we kind of wanted to touch on that we we haven't had you talk about much yet is Zay Flowers, Boston college. Um, Would you, would you like about him? Would you have some concerns about watching him on tape? I mean, the the main concern, right, is is size, right? Like you, he's only gonna be he's only gonna be his size forever, right? He's right. like five five nine, you know, hundred and something pounds, and you're not gonna put a ton of a ton of weight on him because you don't want him to lose that thing that he has that makes him special, right? Which is the speed and explosion. But I mean, he's he's five ten one seventy two, like that's that's like Devonta Smith size territory which is you know that dude is slim man (laughs) i mean there's they call him the slim reaper right like there's a reason why and you talk like that's that's really small for an nfl wide receiver at 172 and so like does that mean that at the nfl level he becomes devonta smith and has the ability to win inside and out and all that i didn't have devonta smith's college production and didn't play against the same level of competition that Smith did, uh, but also didn't play with the same level, you know, watching some of these guys with the quarterback play that they're getting <laughs> is rough, man. It uh, is. But, uh, but sometimes, you know, it's hard to make that jump. There's a reason why 172 pound wide receivers don't get picked in the first round very often. Absolutely. Is, is because it's really hard to play wide receiver in the NFL at 170 pounds 
when you've got, you know, a 200 pound corner that's going to line up across from you and you may not leave the line of scrimmage. Like we're talking about Quentin Johnson having some trouble getting off press. Right. And there is, you know, that, that's legitimate based on what you see. He never really gets pressed all that much when he does. There's a little bit of struggle, but part of that is he never really gets pressed, but he's going to have some size advantage and stuff like that. Some length to be able to get off these guys. Sure. There's a chance that, that a guy like Zay just winds up getting swallowed and that you really have to spend a bunch of time focusing on how do I keep this guy from getting pressed? And for a team like the Cowboys that has a guy like CD that you really want to keep him from getting pressed too, just because he's right. so deadly on a free release. Do we really want to pick a wide receiver at 26 and have him be the guy that now we have to move that guy around and, Maybe that means, you know, CD winds up getting washed in some press every now and then or or things like that. So if you're building your passing offense around CD Lamb, I struggle to see the place for Zay Flowers, even though he's an unbelievable playmaker, like fantastic speed, yeah. makes plays down the field, run after the catch, all the stuff, right? It's really the size piece. And it's hard for me to make that jump from, oh, he's played at Boston College. And now he's going to come play against, you know, NFL cornerbacks and he's going to see Darius Slay twice a year or he's going to see, you know, whoever <clears throat> or he's going to see Sauce whenever they play the, the the Jets. And he's going to be able to get off that press at the line of scrimmage and make plays. Um, and maybe he will. But one of my things that that I sort of live by, one of my core tenets of, of drafting is, you know, I'm OK with missing out on the guy who's the exception to the rule right. because, just because I, it, unless I can really clearly see it, like you could see it with Devonta Smith, right? You could see it with guys like that. Um, you can see it with Bryce Young being a small quarterback, right? Uh, that you can see him make plays in a way that translates to the NFL uh, very clearly. And maybe that's a, a school size bias or something like that. I don't know. But I'm okay with missing on Zay Flowers becoming a great playmaker somewhere else, just because of the fact that the downside of that is way lower than like what we talked about with Smith and Jigba, right? Where like right. the floor is really high with him. Even if the ceiling is, you know, Justin Jefferson potential level yeah. high, the floor is still really high too. With Zay, it feels like the floor is, a, the, the floor is, I mean, if, is he Tutu Atwell? Right. Who's, right. you know, small right. and fast and makes plays or made plays in college, but, you know, hasn't done a whole lot at the NFL level or is he Devonta Smith? That's right. a like that's a freaking mountain range size sure. range of of outcomes there. So sure. I have a little bit more hesitation with Zay than I do with some of the other guys, even though he's a fantastic player. I just don't know if I'm taking him and putting him on my football team. I don't know necessarily how well he fits specifically with what they want to do with with CD moving him around and all that kind of stuff. Because that's where I really think Zay would flourish. Right is as that slot Z guy who is the primary move option. He's the guy running the jet motion, using the speed to stretch the defense horizontally and then pushing vertically off of that stuff where he's not getting pressed. And, you know, maybe he's got a safety on him because of because we saw how the Chiefs manipulated defenses using motion and stuff like that to get matchups. And that happens all over the league. You put that guy in like a Kyle Shanahan offense and let him move back and forth and run run big overs and, and routes like that and he's just going to tear people up but I just don't know in the Cowboys offense if that place is there for him when they already they already want that guy to be CD the guy that moves around right. 
Yeah, no, I mean, all the points are valid. You know, there's there's so many guys in this class for me that are small. It's weird because, like, you always have – I feel like you always have, like, a decent split of, like, your 6-1 and over guys and then your 5-10 and under guys. But, dude, I feel like this year is more more than I remember of having, like, your clear split of, like, small dudes and big dudes. Yeah, exactly. Like, yep. I love I love Tank Dell. I, I watched him for the – he was one of the first guys I watched. I just – scrolling through some stuff and I was like let's let's watch Nathaniel Dell and it turned to him I mean he's 5'10 163 I mean he's but talk about a big play in a bottle right like he's he's tiny dude but just massive makes dudes look terrible in the open field but that's one thing I did want to touch on is like how you're what you're mentioning about presses and again like there's a 20 you know they got they got Nate Dell at 163 5'10 and Zay Flowers at 182 5'9 so they're saying that Zay Flowers has 20 pounds on Tank Dell, which is crazy. But one thing when you watch Tank, uh, when you watch Tank Dell at Houston, like they do such a good job of keeping him clean. Like he's constantly in motion. He's constantly, he's not lined up stacked over a corner and having to, but but when he is, his feet are just so quick off the ball that people can't press him because right. they're also worried about him running right by him. And, and that's something with Flowers that I think he has to get better at, is when he is lined up stacked over a corner, sometimes I think his releases are a little deliberate and a little, I guess, premeditated at times, and it gets picked up on, and, and, and guys are still able to get their hands on him. They're not threatened by the, him getting by them. Yeah. Where you watch a guy like Tank Dell, who's 20 pounds lighter, you know, same same height, twenty pounds lighter, and it's just like you can't get a hand on him because he's yeah. so quick, he's so off the ball. He just he moves. It's 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 a he's one of. I I tweeted it out a couple months ago, but like that's my favorite player in the class. I'm not saying he's my number one graded player, but when I watch him, I'm just like this guy's so much fun to watch. Like he's there and, are guys and, and you just part, watch with a big smile on your face, right? Right. Like the whole right. time like, you're just he's constantly in motion, like he's just running around. He's got his hair on fire all the time, and I'm just like, God, this guy's so much fun. Yep, absolutely. But I want to be the guy drafting the guy that looks just like me. Probably not. Yeah, but... exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that's pretty much what we, we wanted to touch on. Some of these guys today. I mean, I know we skipped over guys like Josh Downs and Rasheed Rice and. Parker Washington, Marvin Mims, there's a couple of guys. Cedric Tillman, that's another guy that plays for Tennessee that's kind of a bigger vertical guy. Um, but we kind of just want to touch on a handful of these dudes who are, you know, of consideration at, at that 26, you know, first, second round pick. And then just a couple of guys that we have under the radar a little bit that that if you're not hearing them talked about in that range, I think it could be coming um, after the combine and after the ball gets rolling with some of these 30 visits and, and stuff like that. But we spent all this time. They're probably 100% just going to draft Marvin Mims in the second round, who's another 5'11", 185 guy that runs a 4'4'6". <laughs> there you go. Right down the middle of their prototype, right? But it's like when we talk about this stuff and we sort of zoom in really tight on the players and, you know, how their releases and their ability to get off press and what routes they can run and all this kind of stuff. And then we zoom out bigger picture and look at it in the class as a whole. And really the the moral of the story is what we started with, right? And that's that if you want a wide receiver that can make an impact coming out of this class, you probably got to take them in the top 50 to 75 picks. Right. Um, Otherwise you're looking at, you know, a bunch of smaller guys or bigger guys without maybe the speed or athleticism to contribute right away and all that kind of stuff. And if you're really going to upgrade your wide receiver room, you got to do it early in this draft, which hasn't been the story the last few years. So that's an important 
note for people to take as they as we get into this is that we're going to talk about wide receiver a lot in the first two rounds. Absolutely. And then, you know, we're going to get to the later parts of this draft and almost not talk about wide receivers at all because there's just not that much that's going to make a big impact. There's not that many guys outside the top 100 of this draft that even that Jalen Tolbert couldn't get on the active roster for the Cowboys right. this year. But there's not very many guys outside of these guys we're talking about and the guys you mentioned who are going to come in and immediately be as good or better wide receivers than Jalen Tolbert is yep. you know, after a year in the NFL and the work that he got there with an offseason. So if you're going to upgrade this room, it's got to come early in the draft if you're going to do it through the drafts, which is sort of our focus here. And so that, that's where our focus is going to be when we talk about these wide receivers. There's other positions, you know, corners, super deep. There's a bunch of these positions super deep. We'll get we'll get through those guys. That's the second half of the draft focus. But early in the draft, this feels this feels very much like a skill position draft for me in terms of early because they they really got to do something about the skill players on this offense for sure. Yep, no doubt. And you mentioned corner another spot. I mean, if you had to ask me today, what are the first and the second round picks of the Cowboys? I almost feel like I'd go wide receiver corner, which it's not great because I feel like that was the same case for last year. <laughs> And and they didn't really, they, you know, they ended up going offensive line. But, but yeah, it's a uh, – that's one thing we'll probably talk about as we get, get through this process. I feel like that's happening way too often with this team is the positions that they needed the year prior, they're still needing the year after. And that's yeah, yeah. one thing that I feel like holding them back from making that next step is – even when they draft a linebacker and Michael Parsons, he changes positions. You you know, you get a little bit older there at the LVE and, you know, it's it's just all – it always seems like they're drafting the same spots. And then if we can ever have it – and I feel like we're working that way where, you know, CeeDee Lamb will get a deal. Maybe you add a receiver here. Maybe you can go away from receiver for a couple of years with Jalen Tolbert on a rookie deal. And um, But, yeah, it just feels like it's always receiver. I mean, last year it was – what are we going to do about receiver? And they waited and it didn't pan out. So we're here a year later and it's receiver again. And year before that, it was receiver. They got CeeDee Lamb and, you know, they, they, they seem to bite their own foot off sometimes with some of the decisions they make in the off season, which is why this is a fun and exciting time to talk football because you can, as Stephen Jones says, you might not be able to win a Super Bowl in the off season, but you can absolutely lose it and really hurt your chances. So. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is great. Like I said, first one, um, we're going to be back every week. If there's some week, there might be a couple of weeks where we have so many interviews to do that there might be an interview episode coming out on the weekend, you know, to, to fill some time and, and keep those guys moving along. But we will be back every Wednesday um, talking the NFL draft and obviously mentioning the Cowboys in those discussions as well. So, Joey, go ahead. I know this is your first time on. They already know where to find me. Let everybody know where they can find you so they can go and check you out, follow you on Twitter and check out all the other work you're doing. Yeah, Twitter is pretty simple. It's at Joey Ikes. That's I-C-K-E-S. You know, I, me and Blogging the Boys go way back, man. Oh, yeah. I, I wrote I wrote my first, you know, front page article at Blogging the Boys, you know, something like 10 years ago or 11 years <laughs> ago. So way, way back. Um, it's awesome to be back on the, you know, on the platform with, with the group. And, and I'm, I'm excited for this next couple of months as we cover the draft. I've been doing some college stuff. I cover Texas A&M for, uh, for USA Today at Aggies Wire. .usatoday.com, but uh, I'm really excited to get back in the draft. This is going to be fun. They got a couple dudes we'll be paying attention to and talk about a little bit in a little bit, I'm sure. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm not normally, hey, I'm going to recommend the Cowboys take A&M guys, but there's a couple of them this year that that would fit very specific, perfect, you know, roles 
within the the Cowboys offense and defense that fit some players coming out of AM extremely well that I'm sure we'll talk about. No doubt. Well, cool, man. We will uh, we'll be back next week on the Talk of the Draft podcast. Thanks, Joey, for joining us. We're excited to start that journey. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you guys next week.